Our first reading for today is from Acts chapter 5, verses 29 through 42. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed them, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you are about to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band, in the, a, a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading, which will also serve as the basis for Pastor Max's sermon, is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-9. through 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. 
Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nail were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Isolation, confusion, despair, fear, loss, anxiety, uncertainty, crisis. This was the situation that Peter was addressing in the book of 1 Peter that we're going to be looking at over the next five weeks. Peter is writing to a group of Christians amidst all kinds of questions about what they were enduring and how they should handle the situation. They were wondering, when was it going to end? They were wondering, well, when was Jesus coming back? And they were wondering, how bad was it going to get? Rome was persecuting them. And they were wondering Could they hold out hope for a brighter future when things looked so bleak in the day? Should they hunker down in their homes and avoid contact with the outside world? The church of the first century endured extreme hardships for the sake of the gospel and for the promise of a hope and a future. That's what 1 Peter is about. And we're blessed to talk about that as a congregation as we we live in this in between time in our world today. You see, Peter is writing to a church that's scattered. They're not all together in one place. He calls them scattered. If you you remember on Pentecost, it was Peter who had preached to a group of 3,000 converts at the time. And they had come from all over, gathered together as, as one church. But now they were unable to be together in one place. They were scattered. And and Paul's first letter is to those that had returned home, but also to those Gentiles who had converted to the same message that Peter had preached. They had heard the message that had, had gone out to the ends of the world that a Savior had come. Jesus was the long awaited Messiah. He had fulfilled the scriptures, He had taken the sins of the world as a sacrifice upon Himself. He had died but he didn't stay dead. He rose again, but he had ascended into heaven. He had promised to return, and in the meantime had given them the gift of his Holy Spirit. 
But now the church was wondering, what do we do now in the in-between time? Well, the church that Peter is addressing was facing and about to face even more persecution. In Rome, in, in the year of 64, there was a fire. About three-quarters of the city burned. And people thought that Nero had, had possibly set it himself for his own enjoyment. But as a political leader, he wanted to try to deflect the blame, and so he, he blamed a group of Christians. And under torture, those Christians turned in other Christians. And it didn't take long for Rome to start using those Christians as sport, as their own lives were taken. Peter is addressing a crowd, a group that's wondering, how do we handle this extreme persecution? The people were wondering, what are we to do in this in-between time? There's a, there's a promise to come of, of a Savior, but we don't know when he's coming. They're caught in the in-between. They don't know what the future holds. And they're wondering, how do we react today when we don't know what tomorrow or, or a week from now or, or a year from now is going to look like? And it reminded me of our current situation. Now, even though we're, we're not sitting in a, a, a time of persecution for our faith, we are sitting in a time of questioning, of not understanding what the future holds and not being able to make clear decisions because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring or, or what it's going to look like in another week or another year. First Peter speaks to us today. And it, it might seem like we picked this sermon series maybe last week or two weeks ago, but like the last sermon series, Crumbling, these had been picked about six months ago. And actually, this group of readings from First Peter was chosen for the lectionary in 1973. It's been almost 50 years that these selections were chosen for the church. But here it is today. In the present, God's word again speaks to us because God's word is alive and active. His spirit moves through the word of God to give us an answer to the questions that we have. You see, the problems that we face today are the results of sin and brokenness, and it's a problem that's been around since the beginning. And so God's word comes to us today. Peter is speaking to us, to you and to me to give us an answer to what for us to do in this present time as we look towards the future. Now, I, I can't help but notice in the news today, there's all kinds of computer models and forecasts about what the future is going to bring. As we talked about in the children's message, weather models and simulations have gotten really good where it does a pretty good job of telling us what's going to happen. But as the future gets further out, it's harder and harder to know. But the more data you have, the, the more input that's good and true, you can have a little bit better understanding. And the more data we get, the better we know how to handle our situation. But if we only had a crystal ball, if we, if we could know exactly what was going to happen in the future, we, would, we could know exactly what to do today. I mean, we could, we could send the ventilators to the right place, and, and we could have the hospital beds ready in the right location we can know just when the curve has flattened enough where we can get everything back going and, and get people back to work. We could better understand what to do today because we could see what was going to happen in the future, but, but we're fallen, fragile, finite creatures. 
We're stuck in the present. We're stuck in the in-between. So what do we do? Well, in our world, we, we do our best to follow our leaders, the ones that are gathering the data and information. We, we stay in our homes as best we can. We, we try to do what's best for, for ourselves to stay healthy and, and do things that are going to benefit not only ourselves, but our neighbors. We do all of this today, hoping to have maybe a little bit better future tomorrow. And although we do have this hope of, of, a, of a, a, an economy that's going to get back roaring and we're all going to get our jobs back, there's still a lot of questions. Is that really going to happen? And how fast? Am I really going to make the same amount of money I was making before? Are we really going to get a, a cure to this virus? Am I ever going to be able to retire? Are we going to have to social distance from now on? And what do we do as we wait? Well, Peter, Peter had an answer for the church of his day. Peter's answer was this. He said, rejoice greatly. Rejoice greatly. I mean, think about what he's telling the church that's being persecuted and asking all these questions. His answer is to rejoice greatly. Peter says that we can do that. Because we worship a God, a God who created everything and who holds even the future in his hands. Peter says that because of that, we have a living hope, a living hope. Now think of what that meant to his first readers who were fearing for their very life. He said that in this message, there was life. There was a living hope. They could rejoice knowing that they were worshiping a God who knew how the story ends. The poet Tanner Olson puts it like this. He says, hope doesn't let the story end. In other words, what we see around us now is not the end of the story. We have a living hope, which means that there is life, life in the promises of God. And as John put it in the gospel reading for today, he said that through this message, there is life. And that by believing, we have life in his name. That's a living hope. That's why John wrote his gospel message. That's why Peter wrote this epistle. To assure the followers of Christ that this isn't the end. That there is hope, a living hope. And that there is life in the name of Jesus. And that's a promise to be heard and to be clung to in any situation. Now, Peter says that while we live in the present, that there is a future inheritance waiting for us. And, and we're going to focus on that future inheritance a little bit more next week as Pastor Luther delivers the message. But Peter says that this inheritance is a gift that comes through the gift of faith. And that faith is a shield which protects us even now, even in the midst of trials and persecution from all sides, that it is our faith that we need that protects us. As Paul puts it in Ephesians, our, shield, our faith is a shield that guides us and protects us. That because we have this protection of faith, we are able to rejoice in this living hope. It's for these very times these times of persecution, that we rely on our faith, that we need our faith. And, and it's 
a faith that guides the readers of Peter's letter and, re- and guides us today. It's faith in the promises of God that there is hope. Now, hope is what's required when we can't see into the future. Hope is what we need when we're not sure how things are going to turn out. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that there is faith, hope, and love, and these three endure. And we need faith and we need hope in the present time, which come from God until we see him face to face in the future. And when that happens, as Peter says, when the glory is revealed, faith and hope are fulfilled, and all that remains is love. We no longer need faith and hope in eternity. We are left with the love that comes from the Heavenly Father because the object of our faith and our hope is completed in love. But now in the in-between time, we cling to faith and hope that we have in Jesus and we live in his love. For our gospel reading today, we see a group of Jesus followers that are in need of a living hope. They're gathered together scared because Jesus has been crucified and and they're not quite sure what's happening. And and Jesus shows up to give them a, a living hope in the flesh. The first disciples were blessed to see Jesus with their own eyes and Peter himself was in the room. And when he talks about the glory of Jesus being revealed and he talks about this inexpressible joy, he experienced that. There was one of the disciples that was unable to experience it on on the first time that Jesus appeared. It was Thomas. Thomas himself said, "I, I need to see, I need to see with my own eyes that he's alive. And a week later, Jesus fulfills that. And when Peter sees Jesus, that inexpressible joy comes out in a proclamation of faith that's that's probably the greatest expression of Jesus' divinity in the Gospels as he declares, my Lord and my God. Thomas is filled with that glorious and inexpressible joy that Peter is saying we too can have when we see Jesus. Peter is encouraging the first readers of his Gospels, the ones that haven't seen Jesus face to face, to continue to look forward to the day when Jesus is revealed. Even though they haven't seen him, they have a living hope that allows them to live now with glorious and inexpressible joy. They can have a living hope because they worship the God who knows how the story ends. And he doesn't let the story end with death and persecution. He doesn't let the story end with a body in a grave. You see, there's life, and there's an empty tomb, and there's victory over the grave. There's a living hope that's ours because our God knows the end of the story, and we worship a God who has a perfect kingdom for us one day, a kingdom where there's no more tears, there's no more pain, no more persecution, no more chaos, a kingdom where God's ways, God's reign is supreme. Everything is ruled through his perfect love. Peter gives us that same encouragement today. We look forward to the day when Jesus will be revealed. We haven't seen him yet. But did you notice the blessing that Jesus proclaimed in this gospel reading from John? He says that we are blessed. He says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. We live in the hope. We live in the hope like Job had when he declared, I know that my Redeemer lives and I will see him with my own eyes. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed.
And so what do we do now in this in-between time? As we live in the present, not knowing what the future holds. Well, we do our best to listen to our leader, the supreme leader, our God, as he tells us to love. To love him with our whole heart. To submit to his authority in our lives. We organize our priorities and our ways of living around what he says is important. We reorder our lives around his reign and his rule. We bring the ways of his perfect kingdom more and more into our lives. Have you noticed how during a crisis and in this crisis, our priorities get rearranged a little bit? Things that that used to seem really important aren't so much so anymore. And, And the things that we didn't realize were so important become much more valuable to us. I'm not talking about toilet paper. I'm talking about the relationships and the people in our lives. And that leads to the next thing that we do in this in-between time. We start, we start not only to love God, but we begin to love the things that he loves. We start to love the people around us with his love. What God thinks is valuable, we hold with value. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives in this present time, today. That's the coming of that kingdom of God now, even in the present, even as we wait for its coming and its completion in the future when Jesus returns. It's the way that the Holy Spirit brings the kingdom of God through us in the present, through our lives, through the fruit of the Spirit to our neighbor. And we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, that it would be more and more a part of my life, that my life would point in the present to what's to come in the future, that my life might point to a living hope too, that I might demonstrate the hope that we have, which, which leads us to follow the word of God, who demonstrated his love for us by purchasing us through his innocent death and resurrection. We now love with his love as we wait for his return. And in this present time, we trust the one that holds the future in his hands. And now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, may guard your hearts and minds in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.